on to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. Adam Luckett coming to you for another Fun Belt edition of the pod where we're going to talk G5 football and only G5 football. And of course, on the Fun Belt edition, it's nothing but Sun Belt talk here. And today, like normal, I'm not guest host Aikman Chambers. You can find him at Radio Guy AC on Twitter. And of course, he's our Appalachian State beat writer and he covers Coastal Carolina as well. Aikman, welcome to the show again, man. How you doing? I am uh, doing great, Adam. Uh, really looking forward uh, to it here today. Uh, we are now into the, I guess you could say, the heart of Sunbelt play now. We got the that opening stretch uh, from us now. Now we enter the heart of conference play. Uh, all of a sudden now, after last week, it, you start to see some teams creating the separation. You kind of start to get the feel, I think, a little bit more of teams that look to be your contenders versus your pretenders, I think, are starting to stick out a little bit more. Yeah, as the season moves on week by week, we start to learn more and more about teams and seeing who's actually overachieving and who's underachieving. Um, as we move on from week seven, we're about to get into week eight. Was there any big takeaways you had from the fun belt from this past weekend, Aikman? Well, uh on a personal level, it was once again Appalachian State goes on the road in the conference and uh, almost lays an egg worse than what they almost did at Texas State, falling behind twenty to nothing. But you know, I, I look back at uh, of an overall aspect uh, once again from uh, last week and seeing uh, once again South Alabama. I think at this point you can say has Troy's number. I, I think it's safe to say that, and I think all of a sudden you know. Georgia State, don't sleep on the Panthers uh, just yet. It may have took them a couple weeks to to get themselves warmed up, but all of a sudden they look like a team that's going to be competitive here in the Sun Belt. For me, the big storyline was South Alabama. This is now three times in a row, or three, excuse me, three years in a row that they have gone on the road as a 17-point dog or more and pulled off a straight-up victory. We all really should have seen it coming. I mentioned in last week's pod, I thought it was going to be a close game because of that obvious letdown factor for Troy coming off that huge win at LSU. Now Joey Jones, he's played Neil Brown tight three times and has won two of the matchups since Brown took over that Troy program uh, three years ago. So that's not a great sign uh, for the Trojans, but they're fine moving forward. It's just tough to lose to your heated rival. And the way they lost, they played so poorly with the four turnovers. I believe they had the ball five or six times inside the 40, so in scoring range, and they couldn't uh, knock it in. They were totally shut down by uh, South Alabama's defense. Defensive coordinator Kane Womack really deserved a bunch of credit for that game plan and scheme he came up with. It really befuddled the Trojans all night. And one of the biggest stories, I think, early in the season is just the struggles of this Troy offense, they're really struggling throwing the ball. They're not stretching defenses at all. Teams are sitting on all their short routes and such. And they've got some really nice playmakers that are doing good things when they get touches, but it's just been hard for them to consistently get them the touches that, that are needed to really put points on the board. I've noticed that too. I think you can uh, quote a lot of similarities on the offensive end but between two of your top preseason Sunbelt contenders and Troy and Appalachian State, these have both been two teams that have done a lot of things similar through these first uh, few weeks. The offenses hadn't, have not been there that much. It's been more defenses than it has anything else. And, you know, I watched this South Alabama and Troy game last week, and 
you know, and then with some key injuries, uh, guys on both sides getting uh, getting knocked out of the game. Uh, the running game was non-existent for pretty much both teams. Uh, Dallas Davis didn't pass the ball much, only seven for ten, but it was enough to get the job done. And then Brandon Silvers, uh, he had that interception, and 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 turnovers were a big factor, as you mentioned uh, in this game too. Because I'm um, and Troy going scoreless for three quarters. I don't think many people thought. Even if they thought South Alabama would win the game, I don't think many people thought we would see Troy go scoreless for almost three and a half quarters. Yeah, you mentioned the turnovers. Two of them came by freshman Marcus Jones on punt returns. So that really hurt the Trojans. And then Davis really came in for Cole Garvin, who really kind of stunk it up there in the first half. And really the game turned on the halftime when Troy came out, went three and out. And then South Alabama didn't convert a third down all night. They went on like a 12-play drive, 60-something yards, and punched it in. I think that put them up – I think that put them up 18-0 maybe or something around there, uh, maybe 15-0 um, or 16-0, something around there because they kicked a field goal later. But right. That pretty much put the game out of reach because Troy's offense just wasn't going to get it done against that South Alabama defense. But I'd like to – you mentioned them earlier, Appalachian State. Of course, Aikman, you you know that program better than uh, I do, certainly, and better than most people on the face of this earth do. But the one thing that's impressed me with the Mountaineers is they haven't put a complete game together yet all season. It's, something's always going on with offense, special teams, defense. But one side of the ball is usually playing great in a game. And, and it's not just the same side each game. It's something different. We saw against New Mexico State, the offense really kicked it into gear. Jalen Moore had a huge game on the ground. We saw um, on the in the two row wins, the defense really buckled down in the second, second half excuse me, against both Texas State and Idaho. And then the Wake Forest was probably the, the most balanced effort you got, but it was the special teams that let them down. But you know, that, that Michael Rubino, his, his issues are really concerning, even though he did step up and hit a big – field goal there to beat Idaho when they scored 23 unanswered in the second half. But they're showing some good signs, I think, and I think they're not too far from putting it all together and really going on a run at the end of the schedule, which is pretty favorable for the Mountaineers. It is, and, you know, I look at it as this way, too. You're right. You're perfectly right on a game. There's not been that complete game. It's always been a game. The offense has been on track. Or the defense has been on track. It's never been all together like we've seen last year and even the year before. And an interesting thing about this offense, I was able to find out this week, as a lot of people know but now by this point, you know, halfway through the season, Appalachian State has played every single game without their two top receivers and Darrington Evans, the sophomore, and Shaden Metters, who'd be a senior this year. Both guys at this point are looking at the possibility of taking red shirts is what I'm being told. So there's a chance with Metters being a senior, there's a chance this, he's going to be back next year as – Appalachian will be breaking in a new quarterback this year, next year, I mean, and that's going to be big, I think, when he is able to come back. If he ends up taking a red shirt, uh, Darrington Evans, the same who is just a sophomore, so this kid uh, will now have some, another extra year of eligibility with the Mountaineers. So if Meadows takes that red shirt and comes back next year uh, as a member of the Mountaineers who are going to need veterans because they'll be breaking, like I said, a, a young quarterback in, you know, this this has been a, a key for Appalachian this year. Thomas Hennigan has stepped up. Uh, Ike Lewis did a lot of good things in that Idaho game. He had six receptions, two touchdowns, 101 yards. But you're right. I mean, this has been a, it's been a 50-50 ball game 
for Appalachian this year, as in 50% of the team's on, 50%'s not. And it's one of those things that I think it's frustrated Appalachian fans. I've seen at games. I'm at every home game. I hear the frustration. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago against New Mexico State, even though the offense was scoring, there was people yelling at Scott Satterfield to take Taylor Lamb out of the game. Yeah, that don't make sense to me. Satterfield's 23-4 and four as the sum, in the sun yeah, as a head coach. Exactly. I believe Lamb has been the quarterback for all those victories. So I, I understand that the Appalachian State, they're just – they don't play pretty football, if that makes any sense. It's a lot of – you know, they lean on their defense, they lean on their special teams, and they're not going to make any stupid or silly mistakes. To, they're going to let the other teams beat themselves. And when you do that, it just leads to some ugly football games sometime. But you look at them now, they're sitting pretty – um, and there's, they're looking like with that Troy loss and with them avoiding Arkansas State, like we all predicted in the preseason, it's looking like their conference title to lose at this point. It definitely is. And, you know, I, I, I harp back just for a second here to the all the people who think Satterfield, you know, should have took Taylor Lamb out of that New Mexico State game, or I hear people saying, you know, well, something's wrong with Lamb all of a sudden because he's passed two games He's had a, at least one interception after not throwing a single one through the first quarter of this season. You know, he's only threw three picks all year, two against New Mexico State and uh, one against Idaho this past week. I, I don't understand why people think that Satterfield needs to take Taylor Lamb out. I've heard it with my own ears in the stands. I mean, he's the second all-time winningest quarterback in Appalachian State history. All the kid has done since he got the starting job over Cam Bryant back in the transition year is win football games for this Appalachian State team. He's second to Armani Edwards on the all-time wins list. And, you know, yes, Appalachian fans got accustomed to pretty flashy football at the FCS level. You know, it was nothing for App State to run up 40-plus points back in their FCS days because they were always normally head and shoulders above everybody else, much like Georgia Southern was and, you know, James Madison's doing now at the FCS level. But you transition up. This defense is where App State leans on. This is the better side of the football. But with guys like Eric Boggs, T. Sims, Clifton Doug, Myquan Stout, it, the list goes on and on. You have playmakers at almost every position on the defense where on offense you're working in true freshmen. You're working in new offensive linemen. You're most, the two spots you have the most experience is running back and quarterback. But we all know when you got a semi-younger semi offensive line, your offense a lot of times is leaned on the guys up front. They're the ones that's going to take you as far as you can go on the offensive end. I think it's a lot of just shooting themselves in the foot on offense, just take two steps forward, one step back kind of stuff. But once they clean out all the mistakes, I think they're going to be fine, and they're just winning games right now, which is the important thing. And on Lamb, I had him as the number one quarterback in the Sun Belt entering this season, not because of arm talent or his skills. It's just because – uh, in that scheme, Scott Satterfield puts him in good situations, and they, all the guy's done is make really, really good decisions his whole career. Uh, and look at him now. He's led a bunch of comebacks. He had App State in a position really to beat Wake Forest. If they had to make a field goal, they'd have won that game. And then you looked at the Georgia game. That's not a bad loss at all, seeing what Georgia's just crushing teams in the SEC this year. And Appalachian State was one of the games that they got challenged the most. So I think it's been a good season for the Mountaineers. I just think it hasn't been as flashy as people want. But, you know, what are you going to do with something like that? But they should be fine moving forward. We'll just touch on some of these other games in the uh, in the Sun Belt this 
this past weekend. What did you think of that Georgia State offense and them dropping 47 points on the Warhawks? Well, I mean, it, it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, you know, they they still uh, – they're leading – they really went heavy in the pass game here. Connor Manning, 446 yards, four touchdowns, and a great completion percentage, 26 for 35. I mean, Penny Hart – had 11 of those uh, 26 uh, completions. Penny Hart had 11 receptions, almost 200 yards. He had 190 and three touchdowns. I mean, I think it's safe to say the best receiver in the conference actually plays in Atlanta. Without a doubt. Penny Hart's one of the better receivers, I think, in all the group of five. The numbers he's putting up are just stupid. For the season, he's had 300-yard games, and he just had 190 and 11 grabs this past weekend. He's got 300-yard games in a row, five touchdowns. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a, an impossible guard. And we'll get into it later, but I'm really forward, looking forward to that matchup with him and that Troy secondary. But the thing that impressed me with Georgia State is offensive coordinator Travis Trickett. They got they manufactured 200 yards on the ground. and You remember that Georgia State ground game in the opener where they got totally – shut down by that Tennessee State front. But what Trickett is doing, he's getting a little creative. He's uh, throwing some reverses. He's getting heart involved in the running game. And then when the pass opened up, then some of their inside stuff, like some inside zone and stuff like that, started to work. And so I believe over eight guys received carries for the Panthers. I think Trickett's doing a really good job with this offense. Um, the offensive line's doing a really good job protecting Manning, which is r- super important because he is a pocket passer and it's kind of a statue back there in the pocket. But, I mean, running game is still a struggle, and the only real way I think they're going to fix that is through recruiting. There's really nothing on the roster right now for them to do it. But the fact that they've been deliberate in trying to get the, to run the football – um, they've had a couple backs hurt. Taz Bateman got hurt again on Saturday, and I believe Glenn Smith's out. So that's hurting their progress a little bit. But I really like what Travis Trickett's done with this offense. They really lit up a bad ULM defense, which is what they should do to give them some momentum going into this huge home contest this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Georgia State racked up 670 total yards. Anytime you rack up close to 700 yards, you should win a football game. Yes, any time. And they set a bunch of school records. The total yards of the school record, uh, Manning throwing for over 400 yards, 446 to be exact, was the school record. Penny Hart's 190 receiving yards in a game was the school record. So really just an excellent day um, in Monroe for Sean Elliott's club. But on the other side, ULM was really maybe the hottest team in the Sun Belt entering that and their defense just got absolutely shredded. Uh, it was hard to believe. The offense started slow, but their defense just couldn't buy a stop. And there was actually one point when Garrett Smith entered the game because Caleb Evans was struggling at quarterback there in the first half. Garrett Smith came in, and ULM scored four straight touchdowns on four consecutive drives, but they never got within more than, I believe, three possessions. That just shows you that their defense just could not get any stops. And that was just a really, really ugly performance by them. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely was. I mean, I, I was shocked to see. I knew Monroe had a shaky defense, but I never thought that Georgia State would be the offense to put up almost fifty points on this team. And and you're right, you know this when uh, Garrett Smith uh, come in the game for Monroe there, he fourteen for twenty three, two twenty five. 
three three touchdowns. He did some good things, but the running game was never a- able to get going uh, in favor for um, for Monroe. I mean, their leading rusher had, I believe, 32 yards. So anytime you cannot get the run game going, I mean, when Georgia State gets the run game going better than you do, and this is a team who, you know, you look at their track record, the run game has been horrendous. So when Georgia State gets the run game going better than you do, it's going to be tough to win a ball game. Yeah, just an outstanding performance by the Panthers. And we'll touch on the last two games of Saturday right quick. New Mexico State went to Georgia Southern, uh, 135-27. Really an excellent performance by their defense. They held the Eagles to three points in the second half. Tyler Rogers threw for nearly 400 yards, but also two interceptions. And those INTs are becoming an issue there for the Aggies. And then over in Jonesboro, Arkansas State really put it on Coastal Carolina. And the biggest issue for the Chanticleers right now is just finishing drives and getting points. They're putting up a bunch of yards. They're just turnovers are absolutely killing them. And they just got to get those issues fixed moving forward. Oh, they definitely do. I mean, this is something, you know. They've got to do better about. I don't know if there's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they can do better at this point because they, they're going to have to get better with it. But this has been the theme all year. They don't show signs of getting better with it. And as you mentioned, yes, they are putting up the yards. I mean, they put up 428 yards on a, a supposed to be above average Arkansas State defense. Supposed to be a pretty good defense that Arkansas State has, and they still put up 428 yards. But once again, turnovers and finishing drives is what has come back to get the Chanticleers again. And once again, inconsistency so much to say, you know, with the with the running game. I mean, Oshamar Abercrombie, uh, after the first two games of the season, has not been there. Now, he had 102 yards here against Arkansas State last week. But other than that, I mean, he has been quiet since, you know, the first two weeks of the season. And it has been a struggle for them to get the run game going. Quarterback play, Tyler Keene has slowly um, gotten better. Uh, Kilton Anderson came in in this game and w- was the leading passer. But once again, you drop right back into the same issue that Coastal Carolina started with, quarterback controversy. Is it Keene? Is it Anderson? Is it Dalton Demos? Um, they're going through so many different quarterbacks. There's no way that they can have time to build chemistry with as an offense. That They're doing some good things on offense. It's just they're, I think they're a few steps away. And they've kind of blew some games they should have won already. It's just it ended up being a tough year, like we thought for Jamie Chadwell in the Chanticleers. Anderson actually might be their guy if they move forward. I know he's a jun- he's a junior, but I mean they really weren't able to hit on some big plays. But it's just been a revolving door at quarterback. They've got to get that ironed out and fixed up. Arkansas State. We'll get into we'll get into them later, and I want to talk. We'll expand more on Georgia Southern later. But their offense is really, really explosive. They got some absolute dudes at receiver, and Justice Hansen's doing a really good job of getting them the football. Yeah, you're definitely right. And uh, y'all, this Arkansas State team, uh, they're really sh- starting to come around uh, as what we thought they would be. Uh, honestly, even though the standings right now, Georgia State's right there in the thick of things. I think. Give it another three weeks or so. I honestly think it's going to come down between Appalachian State and Arkansas State, either splitting or somebody's going to get that Sun Belt title outright. Or it's it's going to be between Arkansas State and Appalachian State. That's why it's a shame that these two teams don't play this year. That's been touched eight hundred thousand trillion times about 
the scheduling the office did. Uh, but hopefully after this year, we don't have to worry about that with us going in divisions. But eight men, we'll move over to the mailbag. We sent the tweet out, I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday, asking for questions. And those of you that replied, thank you so much. And we're just going to go over them here. I think this might be something we do on a more permanent basis moving forward. At Pope Awesome, the eighth, which is kind of a cool handle name. Who will you miss more, Aikman, Idaho or New Mexico State? Uh, well, that, that this is a good question. I actually seen where this question come in, and it, it got me to thinking. You know, I, I've seen both teams uh, play. I've up at Appalachian State. Appalachian uh, has had some uh, top, tighter knit games with Idaho. You look at the history. The games between Appalachian State and Idaho are tighter than the games uh, between Appalachian State and New Mexico State, for the exception of this year. But this is a tough one because. I'm going to put it more in these terms of the team that I'm going to follow more after they leave the Sun Belt is the team I'm going to miss the most. And I'm going to follow, I believe, Idaho more than New Mexico State for the simple fact of New Mexico State's falling into that black hole abyss, as I like to refer to the FBS independent life. And Idaho's dropping down to a very competitive FCS league in the big sky. I keep up with FCS football. Uh, I like to watch FCS football. They're dropping right down into one of the tougher conferences in FCS with Montana, Eastern Washington, and some of those other traditional FCS powers. So I think I'm going to miss Idaho more than I am uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, that's a good point about that independent life. It's going to be rough for the Aggies. For me, it's pretty simple. Idaho, I'm going to miss watching games in the Kibbe Dome. I think that's one of the unique more places. Um, I don't know, maybe to, I've never been there. I, I couldn't imagine watching a game there, but seeing just something weird like that on TV, is, I think that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Being able to watch a game uh, in a dome like that would be uh, very cool. Although, you know, they have to have one because they get into late October and into November. They would be impossible for them to play games outside. And then Josh White at JWDX89 asks, how many teams does the Fun Belt get into a bowl game this season? This is actually a really good question. It was something I was thinking about maybe composing an article um, just to kind of address each team's bowl hopes. Let's go with the locks first. Appalachian State's going to make one. Arkansas State's going to make one. And Troy is going to make one. I think we agree on that. And as of right now, I think we can, elim- we can eliminate Texas State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Idaho with four losses. So then that – so we got three locks. That leaves us in the middle with Georgia State, ULM, uh, UL Lafayette, and South Alabama. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate South Alabama as well. They already have four losses. Right. So we got New Mexico State. They're sitting at three and four, Aikman. So let's go through the schedule. We'll see if we think they make it. Well, uh, they they get a bye, and then they host Arkansas State next week. What do you think? The, the, I, I, have a, I know they're hosting. The game's going to be at home, and New Mexico State, they, they'll compete. But I don't, I'm going to put that down as an L for the Aggies. Okay. Next week they go to Texas State. I'm saying that's a win. That gets them to four and five. Right. They get a bye week, and then they go to Cajun Field to take on uh, the Raging Cajuns. But the week before that, Louisiana has to go to Ole Miss. Mm. So off a of bye week, they're sitting there at four and five with two games left. 
You know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to roll on I'm going to roll here and say the Aggies pull out the win in Cajun country because you play an Ole Miss the week before. Yeah, it's going to give you experience against a a very good team, but you know, or a very good team in the eyes of uh of uh, Louisiana Lafayette compared to what they're used to playing. So, you know, but I still think I think New Mexico State I've seen this team play in person just a few weeks ago. I think this team is better than Louisiana Lafayette. I agree. That gets them to 5-5. Five and five. On November 25th, they host Idaho. I'm going to go with a win for the Aggies at home against Idaho. You know, this is the, the, the farewell battle of the two teams that are leaving the belt. I'm going to say the Aggies win this game at home. And then the last game is South Alabama. When you look at this schedule, Eggman, it's not crazy that they could win out. No, it's not. That's what I was just sitting here. I, I had the schedule in front of me here, too. I'm thinking, you know, the only game I see them not winning in my eyes is the Arkansas State game. I don't think they'll beat Arkansas. I mean, but they very well could. I don't think they will, though. But I think after that, one, two, three, four, they reel off four straight. After they'll drop to three and five, they'll roll off four straight, get to a six and five, and they'll punch their ticket to a bowl game. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say they're either. I think the the floor form is actually six and six. I think if things bounce right, they can go eight and four. Maybe the most possible one seven and five. If they do that, and you're an Aggies fan, go ahead and book your ticket for the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. That's where you all will be going this holiday season. And next, we got uh, the Warhawks at ULM. They're currently sitting at three and three, and it's important to remember they had that game against Florida State canceled, so they're only getting eleven games. So let's go through this schedule, Aikman. They go to South Alabama this weekend. I tell you what, it's going to be an entertaining game, but here, here's the the thing I'm afraid of. The extended time between games for the Jaguars, and they're going to be riding so high off that huge win over Troy. I think this game could not come at a better time for Louisiana Monroe. I agree. I think they win that one. That gets them to 4-3. and three. Then they go to Idaho next week. Idaho goes to Mizzou this week, and then they lose that one like we think. Idaho will be sitting there at 2-5 and five and really – really slim chances to make it to the postseason. With Louisiana Monroe going to Idaho uh, next week, as you mentioned, Idaho coming off that game at Mizzou. Uh, Idaho, if you look at home traditionally this year at home, they don't do a lot. They this It's a rare thing where Idaho seems to play better on the road than they do at home. I think Louisiana Monroe, if they can improve some things on the defensive end, um, that offense is there, and I think that offense will get better. I'm going to give the W to Monroe here. I think it would be it's going to be a tied game, but I'm going to give the lean to the Warhawks. Okay, that's two total toss-up games, so those could go either way. We could see them being three and five or five and three after this. The next two week, Aikman, they're going to be big dogs. They host App State and then they go to Auburn. I think I'm going to put two L's on the board there, uh, not just because I'm an Appalachian State fan, but just because I honestly think. That I honestly think Louisiana Monroe can keep that game very interesting with App. App that traditionally this year does not play well on the road, uh, especially in conference play. That's a game I think that could be similar to the Idaho game or maybe the Texas State game where it's tight near or Monroe gets a lead. But I'm going to say App pulls the W out against uh, Louisiana Monroe. I think they'll have some things by November the 4th. I'm hoping that they're going to have some things fixed and have some things panned out. And, I mean, let's face it, going to Auburn, you're going to Jordan-Hare, one of the toughest places to play in all of the country against the Tigers. Uh, I'm going to give the win to Auburn there. 
Okay, and then they close the season at home against the Red Bulls of Arkansas State. I tell you that this is where it gets tough because if my calculations are right with what they're sitting we, at five and five, and you give them those two toss-up games to South Alabama and Idaho, yeah, they're sitting at five. See, this is where where the game against Florida State got canceled. This is where it could be do or die. But see the the issue you run into, you know, this is where it could be do or die. On the plus side of that Florida State game being canceled. That avoids another loss in your column that you would take that would make you have to win this game to go to a bowl game. Whereas the plus, the plus is where this game got canceled. You know, you're sitting here at five and five. It's win or go yeah, all. Either way, the Florida State game doesn't really matter because yeah, they got to play know, to survive. <laughs> yeah. So, but against Arkansas State, now they get them at home. You know, mm-hmm. this this it's a big plus. Going to be Senior Day. It's it's going to be a, a big deal for the Warhawks, but. I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip the Warhawk faithful heart out here and say Arkansas State pulls out a squeaker. I'm gonna say it's gonna be close. I'm, I think it will be close if that defense comes to play on Senior Day. Now, if the defense doesn't come to play, I don't think it'll be close at all. But I'm gonna give the lean to Arkansas State. My thing with ULM as we close the season, they have three really kind of well, two toss-up games, but they're both on the road: South Alabama and Idaho. And then if you kick in that Arkansas State game and the Appalachian State game, they get the they got to win two of those four. So, but so if they can't get one of them on the road the next two weeks, they're really kind of screwed. I, I'm gonna say no and say they probably finish five and six, like you just said, Aikman. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm seeing uh, because uh, Monroe has one of the tougher stretches here to uh, end the season. And then we'll go over to Cajun Country. The Louisiana, uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns, Mark Hudspeth's squad, has made a bowl game every year but one season since he's been here. He's 3-3 three and three as of right now, but the schedule is a brute. They only have two home games remaining. Um, they go to Arkansas State this Thursday. What do you think? We'll get, well, we're going to preview this game later, but what do you think about uh, their chances there, Aikman? I think this is going to be a fun game to watch Thursday night between uh, Arkansas State and uh, Louisiana Lafayette, I think uh, this could be a uh, this could be an offensive uh, show Thursday night. So you want to might want to tune over to ESPNU Thursday night to watch this game because this could be a very interesting game. But you know, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give I'm gonna go Arkansas State here and uh, say that the Red Wolves pull this one out uh, at home prime time Thursday night. I'm gonna say the Red Wolves pull this one out to drop the Cajuns to three and four. Okay, I agree with you. I think they're going to lose that well. They get a bye October 28th, and on November 4th, they go to South Alabama. Well, on paper, on paper, this game looks like this would be a, a W for Louisiana Lafayette, but South Alabama, you know, they, they've had a week. This is saying, you know, they come out flat against uh, Monroe this week and they take the loss. They got a week to prepare for Louisiana Lafayette, get their heads back to saying, you know, look, we're we're uh, really the underdogs here. This team's coming in desperate to get wins, to get to the bowl season. I'm going to lean the Raging Cajuns here, but I could see this game being closer than what people think. Okay, they get some at 4-4, four and four, then they go to Ole Miss. Uh, well, loss. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't think we need to explain that one too much. <laughs> Four and five in their last three weeks. They host New Mexico State. I believe you said the Aggies would win that one. Yes, I picked the Aggies on that. So they're four and six. They host Georgia Southern on November 25th. 
I don't I, I don't see that there's a lot of issue here with this okay. the way Georgia Southern has played. I don't have a lot of faith in this Georgia Southern uh, ball club. I mean, I'm to the point now where I honestly could see Coastal Carolina possibly beating Georgia Southern. Okay, and then last week they go to Boone to play Appalachian State. Now keep in mind, um, I believe it was the second to last week of the season last year they knocked off an undefeated Arkansas State team. Uh, to get to bowl eligibility, can they do it two years in a row, Aikman? It's going to be tough. It's senior day at the Rock. Senior day for Appalachian State is always a big deal, always a big thing. Uh, always uh, a lot of senior crowd is senior day is usually one of the uh, bigger crowds uh, at the Rock. It should be a good atmosphere. It's December. Here's what I'm thinking. I think weather plays a factor in this game because I think you and I can both agree Louisiana Lafayette's not familiar to playing football in in the snow. That is correct. And this being early December, this is prime time position for there to be snow and boon. They could be an inch or two or three plus. I mean, this is early December. That's prime time snow weather for boon in the high country region of North Carolina. I think weather plays a factor. If it's snowy, if it's super cold, and it, the elements will play a factor here. If this is the case, I think Appalachian definitely wins. If not, if it's just cold-natured weather, I'm still going to give the lean uh, to the Mountaineers. All righty. We'll go on. So that'll get down to five and seven. So we're going to say no on the Cajuns, no on the Warhawks, while we're at it, we might as well look at Idaho and South Alabama. South Alabama two and four. I believe you gave Monroe the victory this week in Agri, so that's two and five. Right. Then they go to Georgia State. I tell you, that's gonna be a Thursday a, night. Yeah. That's gonna be a ball game right there. A Thursday night game. I think a a, a lot of people need to watch that game because I think that could be an interesting game. But the way Georgia State has played, I'm gonna give the lean to the Panthers. Okay, that gets them to two and six. Uh, then they host uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I believe you gave that one to the Cajuns, correct? I did, and that that's going to okay. put them at two and seven. Sorry, Jags fans, you're not going bowling. Joey Jones' seat just got pretty hot. We'll move on to Georgia State, who, like we mentioned earlier, they've got some scheduling issues because Memphis backed out on them. So they're currently sitting at three and two, two and zero oh in the Sun Belt. They host Troy this Saturday afternoon. What do you got, Aikman? Well, I tell you what, it, I would like to think this game is going to be competitive, and I think it, it can be for a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half. But to be bluntly honest with you, I think Troy's going to come into this game pissed off after the way they played against South Alabama. I agree with you. We'll mark that an L. Then they host. South Alabama, we got that as a victory. So they're four and three. And then the big rivalry game, they head down to Statesboro to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles on November 4th. Give me the Panthers in this. But the way I'm going on how both teams have played this year, I've been more impressed with Georgia State than I have Georgia Southern. Uh, I, I, I like the Panthers here, maybe even by two scores. Okay, that gets them to five and three at Texas State the next weekend. I'm going to go another win here, I think, back-to-back road games. That's always a tough thing to do uh, in back-to-back weeks. But I'm, once again, I'm going to go Georgia State here. I think uh, after this Troy game, the next the next three games are, I see as very winnable games for this Panther team. 
Alrighty, you're going bowling, Georgia State fans. You might want to book tickets to Orlando. You're probably heading towards the Cure Bowl. We'll head in their last game. They host Appalachian State, host Idaho. They probably split those. So I think you're looking at right now. It's looking like a seven to five season for Sean Elliott's first year, which is freaking remarkable. That is a hell of a job, and he might be the Sun Belt Coach of the Year by the time it's all said and done. But let's talk about the. Let's close it out with the Idaho Vandals, right quick. Eight men. Uh, I think we both know it's probably not going to happen, but we'll play it out two and four at Missouri this weekend. I think uh, now you know Missouri. <laughs> Missouri uh, is an interesting team because they gave up you know over fifty points to Missouri State and FCS team uh, back in uh, week one. But Idaho's Best FCS team. Do what? It's a bad FCS. Yeah, team. a bad FCS team at that. And you know Idaho's offense though, but as we mentioned, they've played better on the road, so they might be able to score a few points and keep this game interesting in the first half. But give me Missouri to pull it out in the second half. All righty, they host ULM the next week, and I believe you picked ULM, correct? I did. That's two and six, so that means they got to win out. Go to Troy on Thursday, November second. I I don't see much hope. You haven't. I, I I could feel it a little bit more if this game was in the confines of the Kibby Dome, but no, I don't think you're going to go to Troy on Thursday night primetime if you're Idaho and pull that game out. I I just don't see it. Give me the Trojans to destroy the Vandal season and put that seventh loss in there. All righty, that'll do it uh, for that and. To answer your question, Josh White, uh, JWDX89, we got five teams going bowling. Appalachian State, Arkansas State, Troy, as everybody predicted, and the New Mexico State Aggies for the first time since 1960, and Georgia State for only the second time in program history. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty good lineup, and I agree with how you put it. You know, uh, New Mexico State going to Tucson uh, for uh, there in Arizona. I think Georgia State to the Cure Bowl. Sadly, I would like to think otherwise at this point, but I think Appalachian State is on is going to be on a, a one way trip back to uh, <laughs> Birmingham, back to the uh, Raycom uh, Media Camellia Bowl. I think they're going to end up being. Uh, the the team that runs the Camellia Bowl because I think you know they'll put Arkansas State in there uh, some I would think they would maybe put them in the New Orleans Bowl because without a Louisiana team getting in that makes the New Orleans Bowl spot a uh, very interesting because if Louisiana Lafayette were to get in automatically they're going to be put there them or Monroe whichever one gets there but I pick both of them not to make it so with the way their schedules end out so. But I would think that they would give either Troy or Arkansas State the New Orleans Bowl over Appalachian State. Yeah, I think that'll go to whoever wins that game in the final uh, game of the season when Troy and Arkansas State meet. But we'll move on to our next question here, Aikman. So what's the deal with ULM, real or nah? That comes from at Sports 4 Heretics. Um, I'll go ahead and tackle this one. Uh, Somewhere in the middle – they are improved. Matt Viator is a good coach. I will say nah for the reasons I don't see them going to a bowl game, but they're going to win five games compared to winning four last season. The offense has found the future in Caleb Evans. Um, the running game's kind of been hit or miss, but the passing game's been really efficient. The defense just has major issues, and that's really what's holding them back. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm I'm right there with you. I think this. T- I don't think they are. We've seen flashes of this team that can be real, but then we've also seen the flashes where they don't look so real. That's why I think you answered that question perfectly, saying somewhere in the middle. 
I mean, people may think, oh, you're taking the easy way out of the question. No, because you can't say this team's for real, but you can't say they're not for real either. Exactly. Uh, that's really, there's not really more you can say about them. We're going to learn a lot about the Warhawks uh, the next couple weeks. Going over James at Mr. Faison, uh, who has Troy in his bio, he wants to know if his Trojans get back on track this week against a tough Georgia State squad. I think we just answered that, and we'll get more into that game later. But I I like the Trojans. I believe you like the Trojans as well. Most definitely so. The spread's 7.5, and, and I might would even lean to take Troy. And then Jacob Elliott, at, at fan JME, wants to know, why is App State underperforming this year? Is it that the Sun Belt is really this tough? That's a good question because I've heard a lot of people talk about this at games. It's a question why this team is doing what they're doing. And you could say, yes, they've underperformed to an extent, but at the same time, the conference is tougher than it has been in years past. I think there's no denying that. Your teams in the medium portion of the conference are starting to rise up a little bit better. But you have to realize – this team is playing with that. It's two top receivers on offense. They lost a couple of their key offensive linemen, Parker Collins being the mainstay of that. They're having to break in new guys up front. I come to find out Jalen Moore has been dealing with a nagging injury all year. That's one of the reasons Jalen Moore has been underperforming in his way is because he's been dealing with an, with an injury, a lower body injury is all I've been able to find out, that it's a lower body injury. So any running back dealing with a nagging lower body injury is not going to be at peak performance. So that's hurt this team as far as that. And Terrence Upshaw, he's been banged up a little bit the past couple of weeks. And it's fell all on Taylor Lamb for the most part on the offensive end, and uh, and I think you agree with me on that. I do. That makes a lot of sense. Like I said earlier, App State's winning games. They're figuring it out. I think eventually they're all going to get on the same page, and they're going to roll to another double-digit win season. Finally, we'll roll out uh, with, from Chris Kirk at Sir Kirk's a lot. When will Tyson Summers be fired for ruining Georgia Southern football? Chris, he is ruining it. I don't think the athletic director, Tom Kleinham, wants to fire him, but he's going to have to. I'm going to pull up Georgia Southern's schedule right-click just to see what they have It's left. brutal. It's brutal. I'm, I'm looking at it right here. It's brutal. <laughs> I know this is great radio as I pull this up. Uh, apologize. They're sitting at 0-5. They go to UMass this weekend. Shea Wirtz is hurt. Then they go to Troy. Then they host Georgia State in a big rivalry game. And then they got another big rivalry on Thursday night primetime against Appalachian State. Woof. Um, the the game is that Georgia State game. If he loses that one, he's gone. If he wins that one, I think he can save his job if he can win two of the last three against South Alabama, UL Lafayette, and Coastal Carolina. I think he loses that game, so he loses his job. But if you're a Southern fan and you want him gone, and know how hard it might be to do this, but you need the Georgia State to win that football game. Absolutely. I mean, if you, it's it's crazy to think the psychology we're using for this, but I've don't talked to any person of the Georgia Southern fan base that doesn't hate Tyson Summers at this point, and you know, you you look at it and you're right. It's almost like you're kind of rooting for your team to lose the Georgia State game and even the Appalachian State game, which I think you know a lot of teams, a lot of them are going to expect that but especially the Georgia State game because they Georgia Southern gets their two biggest rivals in back-to-back weeks and on a short week 
at that, you know, it's a short week playing Georgia State on Saturday than having to travel to Boone on Thursday. But you're right. It's crazy to think that their fans may actually have to root against the Eagles for Tyson Summers to be fired in that Georgia State game. Yeah, it's a weird time in Statesboro, to say the least. But we'll go ahead and wrap up that mailbag. Thank you all for responding. We really appreciate it. I think it's going to be something we do moving forward. What you think of that, Aikman? I enjoyed it. I think uh, we got some really good questions. I like uh, how people uh, worded their questions. Also, some uh, interesting handle names out there in the Twitter universe. Yes, the, twi- the Twitter.com is one hell of a site, that's for sure. We'll move on. We're going to go ahead and preview the action here for week eight. Our game of the week is going to be one we have touched on already. Two o'clock Eastern kickoff will be on ESPN three. Troy sitting at four and two in a one and one conference record heads to Atlanta as Georgia State finally returns to Georgia State Stadium, sitting at three and three on a three game winning streak, including a two and zero mark in the Sun Belt. Just some little things on each team. Troy's offense is really struggling. They're not finishing drives. They're four of ten on field goals. Um, that's really cost them in a bunch of games this year. Uh, looks like Jordan Chun may be out. Or out. So I I want Neil Brown to get Jamarius Henderson involved early and often. The Memphis transfer is averaging 7.7 yards per carry, and over 60% of his runs have gone for at least five yards. Give him the freaking rock. And then on Georgia State, they're just getting better each week, which is exactly what you wanted to see from Sean Elliott's club. The rushing attack is still brutal, but their passing game is really, really excellent. They're really efficient, and it all starts with Penny Hart. The sophomore might be the Sunbelt Player of the Year before it's all said and done. The pass defense has given up a lot of yards, and the special teams play has been brutal. Of course, Troy's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite right now. What do you think is going to happen there at Georgia State Stadium this Saturday afternoon, Aikman? Well, I think, number one, I think Troy will win the game, but I think it's, a lot of this is going to stem for, I think, if you're a Troy fan, your hope is that Troy comes out after they kind of had their eyes opened a little bit, after they went to Death Valley and pulled off that monumental upset over LSU. Even though it's not the same LSU team as years past, still, you went to Death Valley and you beat the LSU Tigers, which is no easy task. And Troy was riding high. South Alabama brought them back down to earth just a little bit. And now if you're a Troy faithful, you go into this game looking and thinking, as I mentioned a little bit ago, that your team's going to come in pissed off and ready to play football and take it out on this Georgia State team. You know, the the quarterback matchup is, I think, uh, what a lot of people's going to look at here. Connor Manning versus Brandon Silvers. They kind of have a sort of similar stat line uh, for this year. Silvers doesn't have uh, anywhere close to the TD passes that Manning has, but interceptions are about the same. Passing yards, there's not a lot of difference, about a game's worth difference there. And so I think the quarterback matchup is one to watch here. I think this game, Georgia State could keep it interesting, but Troy is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite here on the road. And But honestly, I feel like if I were going to bet this game, I would take Troy minus the seven-and-a-half because I think they can win this game by two touchdowns. I'm right there with you. I love this spot for Troy. A bounce back and a long week after playing Wednesday. Um, you should see a pretty pissed-off football team. And they're playing a Georgia State squad that's really shaky against the pass. 
So Brandon Silver should have his best day of the season. Um, Troy's been bad in the special teams department, but Georgia State's been worse. Um, they've been gave and giving up some big returns. So look for Marcus Jones to possibly break one or two. And of course, Georgia State, they've getting much like Troy last week, they've been applauded. They've won three in a row. Um, they've heard about how good they are here recently. I think they come back down to earth a little bit, and I love, love Troy, and I think they go into Atlanta and win by double digits. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like the Trojans here to uh, to get back to their winning ways here after that tough loss against uh, the big rival South Alabama there in the battle for the belt. And I, I, I like Troy here by, I think, at least two scores. We'll move on. There's another weeknight game, this time Thursday, in Jonesboro. Arkansas State sitting at three and two, two and zero in the league. We'll be hosting the Cajun sitting at three and one, two and one in the league. You can find this one on ESPNU at seven thirty Eastern time. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen there um, in Jonesboro with the Cajuns and Red Wolves lock horn segment? Well, I, I like Arkansas State to win the game. They're a twelve and a half point home favorite here against the against the Cajuns and. Yes, you could look the past couple of weeks that Louisiana Lafayette defense has a has emerged and started to play football, but kind of look at who they've played. They've played Idaho and Texas State, two of the more underperforming offenses in this conference. So you, you have to factor that into this. Arkansas State did what they were supposed to do against Coastal Carolina, and that's blow them out. And so I like Arkansas State here. I even like the home favorite here, even though it's 12-and-a-half. I like the home favorite here and this one. I don't think Arkansas State will have a ton of problems here. I kind of agree with you. I love this Arkansas State offense. Justice Hansen, um, 19 touchdowns already this season in just five games on pace for to get over 40. Blake Max, one of the better tight ends in all of college football. They've got all kinds of weapons at receiver We'll say their defense has struggled this season, but Javon Roland-Jones is starting to get heated up. Last year's Sunbelt Player of the Year has three sacks now and looks like he's going to wreak havoc in the conference play again this year. Uh, for the Cajuns, they just lost. They had a nice one-two punch at Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell. They just lost Elijah Mitchell for the season, so now it's just going to be Regis, who has 525 yards on a 6.4-yard per carry average with five touchdowns on the season. Um, it looks like Andre Nunez is going to be their quarterback moving forward, even though Jordan Davis played well early in the season. I think they're fine at quarterback, and I think they score some points on the Red Wolves. It's just um, that improvement we've seen from the UL Lafayette defense, I think, ends this week, and I, I think Arkansas State puts up a big number in uh, roles here. Yeah, absolutely. I like the 12-and-a-half uh, home favorite. I think this could be one of those games. I think you could see a 20-point differential here. I agree. And then we'll move to Saturday, a noon kickoff in Columbia. It'll be 11 o'clock local time. Idaho travels to Mizzou. Idaho 2-4, and four, Mizzou 1-5. and five. As we mentioned earlier, we, I would think we both like Mizzou. The thing with this matchup is Idaho has scoring issues, and Missouri's going to put points on the board. So I, I just envision it, I envision it hard for them to keep up and have a chance for an upset. Absolutely. Now, the one hope you have if you're a Vandal is this Missouri defense gives up 42 points a game, and they gave up over 50 to a very bad Missouri State FCS team, as we touched on a little bit ago in our breakdown of the rest of the season prediction for Idaho. So, you know, that that gives you hope, but 
I've just not seen enough hope out of this Idaho offense that warrants me to think that they've got a chance at something here. And even though this is a bad Missouri team, I still like Missouri to win this game. I agree. Missouri's actually played, especially offensively, pretty well the last two weeks against both Kentucky and Georgia. Um, just looks like Idaho's going to go to 2-5 and five and not a great season after breaking through and winning nine football games last year. We'll move on to a 3.30 kickoff there in Boone at Kid Brewer Stadium. Appalachian State will be hosting Coastal Carolina on ESPN3. Uh, App State 3-0 in the league, Coastal 0-3 in the league, so two teams going in different directions. I believe this is a series that goes that's dated back a while and that these two teams have played uh, kind of frequently. If I, am I right on that, Eggman? Or? Well, they've played not so much frequently. They've, been, uh, they've played each other. Their last meeting was 2012. Appalachian State steamrolled uh, Coastal Carolina in that game. They put up over uh, 50 points on the board. Then they uh, they also played each other back. Uh, they've met in the playoffs, back in the FCS playoffs. Uh, Coastal Carolina had the uh, luxury of traveling to Boone back in 2006 uh, during the FCS playoffs and having a date with Armani Edwards and the Appalachian State team uh, that was in the midst of their three of their three-peat. Uh, they went on for number two in 2006. Uh, the game was not close at all then. I mean, th- these two teams have played each other, but traditionally it's not very close. Appalachian State has just had better teams uh, than Coastal Carolina. The, the interesting spot on that 06 matchup, that was the first time Coastal Carolina ever made the playoffs as an FCS team. People need to realize this Coastal Carolina team is still young. Their first year of football was like 2001. Yeah, I, I, I keep forgetting about that. I knew they had met before. I didn't know if it was like a yearly thing or whatnot. Lines 24, at for, for them this season, it's been kind of boom or bust on the ground. Either they're getting a big player, they're getting stopped right at the line of scrimmage. Taylor Lamb is just steady, like we mentioned earlier. Um, the defense just doesn't just enough. They, they're not great at any one particular thing, but they make the plays that are needed. And then Coastal, what's really killed them, like we talked about earlier, their turnover margin, they're currently negative seven. You're not going to win very many games when you're when you're sitting there in that statistical category. Offense is doing good things, just can't finish. And they're just so young on defense, and they're just giving up a lot. Uh, what, what, are your, uh, what do you think is going to happen there on Saturday in Boone, Eggman? Well, I tell you what, the spread in this game is 24 uh, in this game, which I knew it would be high, but I wasn't sure how high it would be because Appalachian State, they're 2-4 and four against the spread this year. Now, Coastal Carolina's 1-5, so that's an interesting stat to look at, especially if you like uh, – if you're looking at possibly this game as uh, betting this game for uh, this weekend, it's 24. Uh, you look at Appalachian State, gives up somewhere in the vicinity of 20 points a game. On the defensive side, Coastal Carolina scores 25 points a game. But, you know, this is other than, you know, you can't really find another spot because you, that Western Illinois game, you're going to be tough to say that Western Illinois is is better than Appalachian State, even though Western Illinois is a good ball club. But this, uh, you know, th- you kind of have to look at it and say, uh, other than Arkansas State, and you look at what they did to them, this is the best defense Coastal Carolina's seen all year. Yes, it is. I think I like Coastal's chances to keep it close because it seemed like at tends to play to their competition a little bit, and now that's more on the road. 
But I think the Mountaineers win pretty easily, but I think it's closer than uh, most people are going to expect. Well, you know, I think it's one of those games where App comes out sluggish, I think, that maybe they keep the Chanticleers' hopes up early through maybe the first quarter, quarter and a half, because that seems to at least be the theme for Appalachian State this year. But I honestly think down the stretch – and a lot of this, you know, too, the kicking game, App State, when they get in the red zone, they're going to have to score. They can't settle for three because, as we all know, the field goal uh, duties is not a sure thing for the Mountaineers like it has been in years past before last year and this year. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those games I see App State winning this game, and I think they can do it by more than two scores. I think 24 could be a little high, but it's possible. I think in my prediction that's going to be coming out this week, I have the Mountaineers, uh, I believe, at, I think it's somewhere in the vicinity of 44-21, 45-21, 44-17, something like that. I believe that sounds about right. We'll move on to another 3:30 kickoff. Georgia Southern heading to Amherst to take on UMass. A battle of winless team, the Eagles at 0-5, Minutemen at 0-6. It looks like Shea Words is hurt and he might not play on Saturday. The Georgia Southern defense is forcing turnovers, but that's about all that this team is doing well at the moment. They're just pretty bad. And they're facing a UMass team that's been uh, kind of snake-bitten, lost a lot of close games. Uh, I like UMass here, Eggman. What about you? Almost oh, definitely so. You look at the margin uh, of you look at the margin of loss instead of the margin of victory. The margin of loss for these two teams, and it's night and day difference. I mean, UMass is losing their games by an average of seven eight points, where a score basically, where Georgia Southern's losing their game by an average of two to three scores. Yeah, I, I think UMass is just due to, for a breakout performance just to get a, a victory. Uh, I think it happens here. The Georgia Southern drops to 0-6. And we'll move on to our final game, 5 o'clock Eastern kickoff. I believe it's 4 o'clock local time there in Mobile. Uh, the Warhawks head on the road to take on South Alabama. ULM 3-3, and 3-1 in the league. South Alabama 2-4. and four. One and one in the league coming off that huge win. The Warhawks, they've been playing really good offense. They're getting excellent quarterback play from both Caleb Evans and Garrett Smith. They have a 10 touchdown to one uh, interception TD to INT ratio so far. Marcus Green is an excellent kick returner. He's returned two already on the season. The Warhawks have excellent special teams, but that defense has just been awful. And if they could get that defense together, they could really have something. Then the South Alabama, they made the change to Richard Owens, their offensive line coach for offensive coordinator. And they got the win uh, last week at Troy, but it really wasn't because the offense. Offense just didn't do anything stupid, pretty much. They still got big issues. But they're winning games because of their defense and their excellent special teams. Corliss Waitman's been one of the best punters in the conference. Gavin Patterson's a good kicker. Defense has been bend but don't break a variety. But Jeremy Reeves is an excellent safety and that plus four turnover margin is really helping them. What do you see um, here going down at Lab People Stadium for the ESPN3 broadcast? Well, I like the Warhawks to pull out the win here, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the spread in this game is five, so, you know, this is a tight game, and this is going to be a tight game, I think. The spread is five, but this is a game, in my opinion, I wouldn't touch because I think it's going to be close, and as easy as I see 
Monroe winning this game. I could see South Alabama winning this game too, but as I mentioned, I'm going back to South Alabama's had a lot of time to soak up and fill their head with, you know, after beating Troy, you know, they've had a, a longer time to kick back and think, you know, we we done what we needed to do. I'm afraid South Alabama may feel like in their mind that, you know, they won their Super Bowl last last week against Troy, whereas Monroe, they're playing you know, more so, you look at how their season winds up. They're playing for their bowl lives here down the stretch, and I just like the Mon- the Monroe Warhawks here, Louisiana Monroe. I think that they've caught South Alabama at a prime spot, and I'm gonna I, I like Louisiana Monroe. I agree. I love this spot for Monroe, coming off a tough, tough home loss. Uh, it's kind of a circle the wagons moment. It's you're sitting there at three and three, and you're like, all right, if we need, if we're gonna make a bowl game, we gotta go on the road. We gotta win this game. South Alabama, meanwhile, long week after the victory. I think whenever you get a big victory like that, you want to play as soon as possible. The worst thing is for you to sit back and enjoy it just a little too much. Um, they just, I think, they have offensive issues that they're so they're not going to be able to take advantage of a bad ULM defense. Um, but ULM is good in the special teams to match South Alabama, and then they just got their offense should be able to score points. So I, I like ULM to go into Mobile and pull the upset um, as a small road dog. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like how this game has a shaped up uh, for Monroe. I think they definitely get the win here, and I think they they have a they have for this week a chance to keep their bowl hopes alive. That'll just about do us for uh, this episode, Aikman. Uh, what are some things you're looking to take away uh, from the Sun Belt this weekend? Well. Once again, uh, I, I'm really looking for your your top teams, Appalachian State, Troy, Arkansas State. The stage is set for your big three to win by big margins if all three come to play. I, I'm looking for your big three to really show that they – I really think your big three are going to show this week that they are still the top three dogs in this conference. I agree with that. I'd, I'd like to see that too, especially Troy. Uh, I like to see them bounce back. They're, that game against Arkansas State at the end of the season could be a really big moment. But for that to happen, both teams uh, really need to win out so we can get, you know, like two 10 and 2 caliber teams in that game. So that's one thing I, I want to see them bounce back strong. And I'd like to see how ULM bounces back after that brutal performance. And for South Alabama, Joey Jones, you get these big wins. Can you cash in? So for me, it's going to be that Troy-Georgia State game and then this ULM-South Alabama game to see. I think that could be a really statement win for either team in South and ULM-South Alabama if any, team, any program could get that victory. But as always, thanks for listening. If you could drop us a review, a like on Facebook, or hit the follow button on Twitter, that'd be greatly appreciated. You can find eight men at Radio Guy C on Twitter. You can find me, Adam Luckett, at Adam Luckett BOS. And you want to plug some stuff that you're working on at the site right now, Aikman? Well, we got the uh, we got the Coastal Carolina App State preview uh, coming your way. We'll have a recap uh, after Saturday's game as well. So a little bit easier on me this week for the simple fact my two teams that I cover, especially Appalachian State, uh, they're playing each other, Coastal and App, this week. So I'll send out some tweets uh, from the game. I'm sure that 
Uh, we'll get the uh, the the main site. We'll uh, retweet uh, the main underdog dynasty page. We'll get some retweets out there as well. So uh, we got uh, it's all Coastal Carolina App State stuff this week. Yep, and it should be another fun fun Saturday in the Sun Belt. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.